Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Nick. I'm Tim. Today we're going to talk about what we've been watching, a little bit of film news, and then we're going to end with a full review of Simon McCoy. I think that's how you say his name. His Mortal Kombat film that just was released on HBO Max. But before we get to all that, feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com is where you can write to us. Let us know what you think of our show and the things that we talk about. Please go to mpn.bz slash Patreon to support us on Patreon. Pay just a dollar a month. You get access to bonus episodes of Horror Movie Yearbook and the Midwest Game Nerds podcast a week early. And uh, if you pay $5 a month, you can talk to us on Discord at any hour of the day. We'll respond to you as soon as we can. Um, But other than that, on the network, Midwest Game Nerds is going to have an episode out this weekend to talk about Returnal, which is a new PlayStation 5 exclusive game. Looks pretty sweet. Excited to talk about it. And then uh, the Horror Movie Yearbook Boys, you guys just put out an episode about the Mortal Kombat 1995 film. Yes. Um, so people should go and check that out for extended thoughts on the original Mortal Kombat. We will touch on it a little bit here since Nick and I were not on Horror Movie Yearbook. But uh, we- there was also a bonus episode featuring my brother talking about the hauntings of our childhood home. Yes, thank you, Alex. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it was it was good. It was interesting listening to as a as a uh, as an observer and not partaking in the discussion. It was kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, but he did a good job of representing things that I knew and didn't know about what happened in our childhood home. Um, so please check that out as well. That's available on the main feed. Um, and then next week, what are you guys doing next week, Tim? We are doing the House of Wax remake, the 2005 version with. Uh, Socialite Paris Hilton starring. Uh, yeah. Yes. And, uh, directed by Jamie Colette, Sarah, director of Orphan and the upcoming Jungle Cruise. There you go. And a bunch of uh, Liam Neeson movies as well. Yes. Of Unknown. I believe we talked about this last time. Oh, yeah. You're right. You're, uh, yeah, or I think so. We talked about him. I talk about him a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So look forward to that stuff on the Midwest Podcast Network uh coming soon nick what have you been watching uh the the first and only thing i can think of right now is that i finished my journey through only god forgives how'd that go did did god forgive uh, i i i don't know <laughs> did you forgive yourself did though? nick forgive <laughs> is the question i you know what i do i did i will uh, it, so I, I got a lot more out of it this time and I don't know if this is just age or senility or <laughs> complacency or what, but I, I think that there's a lot, I see in it now what I think I, Rick and Tim saw it in the first time around. <laughs> uh, I think there is a lot of worth there. I think there's a lot of really good stuff. I think there's a really interesting idea there's a big giant swing at the ball and i think it's a it's a bit of a miss it it connects marginally but it's ultimately not enough for me to still think it's a very good movie but i do think it's an interesting experience and i think that it's one of the instances where word of mouth would have served it a lot better than the trailers and marketing because Mm. they they absolutely tried to to kind of present it as like the next drive. And it's not at all. It's nothing like that. 
you know, you're whatever, regardless of one's opinions on whether or not Drive is good uh, or bad, Only God Forgives is a completely different movie. It's not even it's not even in the same wheelhouse, and which is totally fine. But I think that the way it was marketed on the time at the time, it really just did it a big disservice. Uh, I think mm-hmm. in general, and I think certainly for me, because I kind of went into it kind of expecting that, and it's not at all what we got. And watching it now, remembering the little bit that I did remember, uh, it was a much better experience. Like I said, I think it's uh, reading a little bit more about Reffin's thoughts going into the movie, or at least uh, what he was trying to achieve with it, and a lot of a lot of the people who really liked it their interpretations of what's going on there. I think that there's a lot of interesting stuff to take out of it. And it, it is kind of a cool experience, but ultimately it's just kind of, it's fine. <laughs> you know, it's not the kind of thing I can really recommend to go out and watch and you can't, cause I think it just came off of prime. You could, you'd have to pay for it now separately, which is totally not worth it, but it is uh, really, really visually. It's awesome. Uh, as, as he generally does, it's, it's really really uh well shot and well lit and it has that going for it so it might you know at at worst case scenario it's like just going to a museum and finding a very like visually striking painting that ultimately doesn't really do too much for you except maybe kind of turn you off a little bit but at least it looks nice it's it's well it's well uh crafted but uh yeah i guess that's about all there really is to say about it it is by no means a masterpiece and that (laughs) That whole uh, that whole exchange is just ludicrous. Still, <laughs> yes the the one that we linked to in the last episode yeah. notes between the I will say William that the, Friedkin, uh, yeah yeah he's totally right uh, the the fight the the fight right in the middle between um, Ryan Gosling's character and uh, Chang is really good like that's a really cool fight because it's it feels very real it feels like they were actually you know well they weren't beating the shit out of each other ryan gosling was getting the shit kicked out of him and it looks really real like it's a really well done fight and uh coming off of some of these other things we're gonna be talking about in this episode that's pretty refreshing to actually have a fight that feels pretty real and (laughs) and not uh overly produced it's just it feels pretty genuine so that that is pretty engaging at least yeah i wish i could say that i would want to revisit it at the moment but i'm just not there but that's okay I do, I do think it's where if you've seen it before and you were kind of let down by it, like if you saw it around the time of release and you have your opinions kind of tracked along with ours, uh, it is worth checking out again. I think, I mean, I'm, I'm a real big believer in the value of going back to something after, you know, some years have passed and, and maybe your opinion will change. Maybe it won't. It might change for the worse. It might change for the better. But it is, I, I find it relentlessly interesting to how my own opinions will shift on stuff that I once felt a certain way about. I I always think that that's an experiment worth embarking on. So I'm glad I watched it again for sure. And I think the score is really good. So I I like that too. Well, good. I'm glad, I'm glad you had a better experience with it this time around. There are just these yawning giant gaps in the movie where there's no music for like 13 minutes. And you're just kind of sitting there like, man, I could use some music right now to help drive this thing forward. (laughs) But when it does, when it does hit, it really hits. So I don't know. Maybe he is. Maybe it is kind of a work of twisted genius. But calling it a masterpiece is a is a it's a stretch. Fair enough. Uh, anything else you want to touch on at the moment? Uh, no, I don't think I've watched anything else of of significance. I'm sure I'll remember something in a few minutes. But that's that was the big one. <laughs> okay. You know, all these Mortal Kombat's and Oldie God forgives. There's a lot of fighting going on. <laughs> 
All right, Tim, have you been watching anything? Uh, I guess I could talk a little bit about uh, Without Remorse, the Amazon Prime big release of last week. The Michael B. Jordan, um, Tom Clancy. Ah. Uh, oh, yes, please. That came out. Um, it's okay. It's <laughs> it's not. I was kind of in the mood for something kind of like Jack Ryan-y with a little mm. bit of political intrigue uh, to mm-hmm. go along with some with some some action. And this is kind of it was just kind of straightforward revenge uh, plot without giving too much away here. Um, Michael B. Jordan kind of plays he kind of plays like a dour. Uh, he plays what's his name? He's uh, uh, I got to find it. It's like John Kelly, is John Kelly, name. which I believe is a spinoff of the Jack Ryan books. OK, um, it, it yeah, it's based on a book series and that leads. Yeah, I think it spins out of Jack Ryan I, anyway. Yeah, it's just kind of the action is, and then it's all uh, will. It's just kind of yeah, the action is just kind of bland in there. Nick was talking about how well shot only God forgives us, and I don't think like it prompted me to remember like oh, I don't think this one's very well shot at all. Uh, this is from the director of the Sicario sequel that I didn't watch. Did you guys see that? Uh, St- Stefano Sal- Salima. Stefano Salima, yeah. I've heard that Sicario 2 is just a travesty. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I, Especially I never, considering you're coming off the first one. Right. Yeah, yeah I, I honestly, I never got around to watching it. But even B. Jordan here, who I, I like and I think, he's, I think he's good, and he's been good in leading man roles before, is very, um, very, um, sorry, my dog is playing with a toy in the background, if you heard that. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, is very, he's kind of, He's kind of um, he's just kind of morose and angry throughout most of it. And then I texted mm. a friend of mine, Danny. You guys know him, but yes. I texted him because he's read a lot of Tom Clancy books, and he's like, "No, that's about right." <laughs> so mm. he's, like, he's just kind of playing that character, but at least playing in, to the page. At least in Without Remorse, he says in the other books, he kind of becomes a little bit more affable and a little bit more, a, a little bit lighter, a little uh, a little more remorseful <laughs> with remorse. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, here he is. He is without it. And um, he's also without a lot of entertainment. So, <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's fine. But honestly, it, it was I don't know if it was scheduled to be a theatrical theatrical release, but it, it's fine on streaming if you've got front <laughs> video. Yeah. It says well, in the IMDb synopsis, John Clark, not John Kelly, but under the cast name, it says John Kelly. That's what I was looking at. But John Clark, I I know who John Clark is from the books. Oh, well. And Willem Dafoe plays him in Clear and Present Danger. So he's been in the he's been in the in the so in the I greater think, film verse before. Okay, so I think they changed his name. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I'm try, I'm honestly I'm trying to look it up. Um right now okay. maybe I'll, I'll get back uh alex you talk about you you've been watching it and maybe i'll find out the reason why they changed this name so. yeah i just wanted to say here i searched john kelly john clark and the first list is john clark parentheses ryan verse character wikipedia article okay. uh, ryan verse so yeah we can yeah tim please do your investigation of this uh, john situation. kelly john clark okay sorry there's probably there's probably no played, answer <laughs> was it leaf shriver did leaf shriver play him in one of the uh did he play him in that Ben Affleck one? I think he did in Some of All Fears, yeah. Yeah, I think he did in Some of All Fears. I want to go back and watch Some of All Fears. Now we're just going into <laughs> yeah, the Clancy verse. Yeah, I'll research this and get back to you. There is a, eh, I don't want to spoil it for anybody. There's a fun post credit scene in this, though. 
Is it really? Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for me, I started uh, another HBO Max thing called Mayor of Easttown, which is a uh, seven-episode series that has three episodes out at this point, starring Kate Winslet uh, uh, as a... Uh, I forget her rank. I think she's a detective sergeant in... Uh, a town in Pennsylvania called East Town, and um, it's very much a uh, kind of a it's a murder mystery, and and but also Mayor, the the lead character whose name is Mayor, is um, very has a very let's say it's a hectic life, and also being a detective sergeant in a small town, uh, she knows everybody and or is related to everybody in some way. And so it's a very interesting twist on what you would think of as a normal police story. But on top of that, um, it's not quite a spoiler because it's in the trailers, but Evan Peters comes in in the second episode as a younger county detective who's called in to help her solve the crime, the main crime in the series. And um, it's been quite good. It's very gripping. There's some interesting twists and turns even in the first three episodes. And uh, and I've been enjoying enjoying it quite a bit. I'm excited to see where it goes. There's a scene in this most recent episode with Evan Peters that is probably the best piece of acting that I've ever seen out of him, and it was pretty incredible. So uh, people should check it out if you like Kate Winslet or Evan Peters or uh, kind of murder mystery shows. So Mayor of East Town on HBO Max. Um, and then other than that, there was a 99 cent rental last week for a movie called the kid detective, um, which stars Adam Brody of the OC fame, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not Adrian Brody of Brody quest fame. Uh, but he plays this, uh, kind of washed up kid detective. He, he was this very well-respected kid detective in a small town. Once again, um, and things happen that cause him to lose that respect as he grows older. And, uh, the movie is him taking on a kind of his most serious case, uh, just a, just a more recent, very serious case that, uh, people don't think he should be taking on in his, uh, in his not so successful years, let's say. Uh, it's quite good. I, I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed watching it. I think he does a good job and the story. I think, um, it's kind of a slower, slow roll kind of just, you really get to spend a lot of time with him and where he's at and kind of what's happened to this kid after being this well celebrated kid detective. And, uh, and I think it's, it's a pretty fun story and it goes places too. So Maybe worth checking out. Apparently been on a bit of a detective kick, uh, which is always fun. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, it's great. He, I think he's probably the only particularly recognizable name in the movie, but it's, it's good. It was 99 cents on iTunes. Sadly, I don't think it is anymore, um, but it looks like it may be available on Hulu at this point. Oh, no, it's stars. Actually, you have a stars subscription. You can view it. Uh, like so. the premium, yeah uh tim any uh word on john yeah. clark and john so kelly I, here 
Yeah, I'm on the Jack Ryan fandom page, and I have it. <laughs> I have his biography biography pulled up. So I think in the books it was he was recruited by the CIA into the Special Activities Division and was able to fake his death to become John Clark. So, and <laughs> this is about to. So I have the Without Remorse Wikipedia page up, and this is going to uh, show you how checked out I was by the end of this movie. So, spoilers <laughs> for Without Remorse. <laughs> Turn back now. But at the end, um, Jamie Bell is the uh, deputy director. Um, he comes up to him and he gives Kelly a new identity and he leaves him and he begins his new life as John Clark. So uh, there you go. So he, he gains a new identity. He becomes, So IMDb just cut to the chase. <laughs> yes. So yeah, he, he becomes John Clark by the end of this. Oh no. Yeah. It's the other way around. So he's, he's born John Kelly and becomes John Clark. Correct. Okay. He, wow. He really went out there with the alias, huh? Yeah. <laughs> There's no way anyone would ever... <laughs> <laughs> whatever question it so, you know maybe it so could have go. been tom clancy's without remorse colon clark begins and and we would have you know they would have tell <laughs> clark, clark begins uh yeah more or uh without remorse origins clark john clark oh my god <laughs> i don't want i'm glad i corrected that though because i do not want clancy verse people coming after me <laughs> they are a a scary crew <laughs> <laughs> they take it very seriously so well you know it's uh, we could have a whole episode, and and then some on Cl- Tom Clancy games on the Game Nerds for sure. Yeah, my only yeah yeah I was gonna get into it, but I should probably save that for some for a different podcast. We that can- would actually be a really fun thing to talk about the 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 evolution of that whole. I mean, taking that into just such an insane massive franchise on its own in the video games is pretty. You know, I don't, I'm sure there are people that don't even know that those are books. You know, oh for sure. <laughs> At this point, the name Tom Clancy. Yeah, who's he? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It reminds uh, me of that great joke in uh, the movie Airheads that I swear I, I think of all the time when they're making w- their list of demands. Yeah. And uh, they say 50 copies of Moby Dick and the guy's <laughs> like, the book of the movie. And they say, they made a book out of that? <laughs> <laughs> it's so, it just gets, that movie gets me every time. But that joke, I think, is so funny because there's so many people like that. I was just That's thinking about good. Airheads last night. So, <laughs> Oh, it's such a good movie. It holds up, too. Alex, have I've you ever s- seen Airheads? I've still never seen Airheads. Oh, man. See, this I- this might be one of those tests. Like, Tim, if you watch it with Amy, well, she might be like, this is terrible. <laughs> you guys are just you guys are just kind of biased towards it because you watched it when you were younger. Um, Alex, put that on the list above Citizen Kane. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> You'll it get goes more Airheads, out of it, probably. Citizen Kane, and yeah. then everything else that I haven't seen. Watch Airheads. I think that'll give you better context for Mank. So. <laughs> for Mank. <laughs> Can we get the Mank of Airheads? <laughs> oh, it is one of those comedies, though, that's a lot like... It's a lot like the Wayne's World movies and other movies like that, where it's it's really it's more clever than it needed to be. Like there's a lot of jokes. The writing is really sharp, and it's uh, it's really funny. It's also one of those movies that is just like ingrained in me because I saw it on cable like a billion times oh, growing up. <laughs> uh, all the time after school, yes. you'd come home and it would be like at the end of the first act, and you'd be like, "Cool, I got through all the intro stuff again, and I'm just into the into the story now." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that movie's great. It's interesting because I feel like John watched it several times when I was home on cable and I never bothered to sit down and watch it as well for some reason. So I don't know why I flew past it so many times. We should, we should probably just end up doing a Brendan Fraser series where we watch his entire filmography. There you go. 
because he's a man to be celebrated. <laughs> the Fraser Renaissance. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. So, well, speaking of video games, as we were not too long ago, uh, for film news, we wanted to talk about this Borderlands movie that's uh, happening. Um. And yeah. So there's been a lot of casting news that's come out for this, and uh, I believe it is filming currently. Um. With Eli Roth directing. And uh, it looks like Aaron Berg and Craig Mazin. Craig Mazin wrote Chernobyl, among many other things, the Hangover sequel, and is writing the Last of Us series that's coming to HBO. Um, and then also Aaron Berg here. He, he this this, which he wrote a screenplay for a new GI Joe movie and Borderlands, and that's it. So um, not quite sure what to expect there. The GI Joe, the one that's coming out, the uh, is it Snake Eyes. No, this is G.I. Joe Ever Vigilant, which Excuse is, me. according to IMDb, announced. Okay. What? <laughs> yeah, okay. filmed by DJ Caruso. Of course. Or directed by, rumored rumored to be directed by. So I don't know if this is... Uh, Did he direct know. the second one? I DJ Caruso? So. Uh, no, DJ Caruso directed Disturbia and Eagle Eye and then Triple X Return of Xander Cage. Uh, Are you doing this off the top of your head, Tim? I knew Disturbia and Eagle Eye. I forgot he did Triple X, so I Googled that. Kim has tried to get me to watch Eagle Eye. Uh, I can't even count how many times. It's so funny. It's like a running joke now. She's like, Eagle Eye is is just, you should check it out. You might like it. (laughs) And I'm like, is this how I sound about airheads? (laughs) Uh, well, we didn't even get to the meat and potatoes of this Borderlands thing. Oh, he directed the Salt and Sea. That's a solid movie. I like yeah. that. Um, but uh, <laughs> distracted by DJ Caruso's film. Yeah, hold on, Sorry. I gotta look through. He directed one episode of Smallville. <laughs> <laughs> Two for the money is that uh, Pacino and uh, that's a sports betting movie. That's kind of yeah, funny. that's right, Alex. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Just keep going. Uh, <laughs> so Borderlands is a video game that uh, takes place in a uh, kind of a uh, post-apocalypse. I don't know what you want to call it. It's like a science fiction, but also post-apocalypse type world mm-hmm. uh, about people hunting for vaults to get treasure, that kind of thing. Uh, and according to Wikipedia here for the movie, the premise says loosely based on the video game series of the same name, mysterious outlaw Lilith returns to planet Pandora and is hired by Atlas to find his missing daughter with the help of Roland, Tannis, Tiny Tina, Krieg, and Claptrap, fighting through its various monsters and bandits on a quest for unthinkable power. But the big news here, the the cast of this movie kind of ended up somewhat stacked here with Kate Blanchett as Lilith, Kevin Hart as Roland, Jamie Lee Curtis as Dr. Patricia Tannis, Jack Black will be voicing Claptrap, uh, Edgar Ramirez is going to play Atlas, uh gina gershon is playing moxie apparently which is one of the more recent things here um but yeah what's going on with this movie nick you 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 are the probably you and gojo are two of the people that i think know the most about borderlands out of anybody that we know because you've played all the games and uh has spent much time in them how do you feel about much the direction time. of this adaptation you know uh at first i my my gut instinct was to be really irritated and and just cranky about it and now i just kind of i'm like whatever like i'm trying to just you know i think we've there's one thing we've learned in all these past 
I mean, I don't know how long we've been watching video game to to movie adaptations. And I mean, Tim, you're kind of becoming the authority on this, really exploring the uh, the transition of, of a story from one medium to another. But I, I think you just have to understand that it's not going to be what it was. And it's probably not going to be necessarily what you want it to be. But is it going to be any good on its own merits, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to try to look at it that way. But I really don't like Eli Roth as a filmmaker or as a person. Uh, yeah. and so that's that's honestly the biggest thing for me that just kind of makes me groan um you know the casting is weird some of it is pretty solid and some of it is really bizarre and yeah. it's bizarre to the degree that i just feel like it's eli roth intentionally thumbing his nose at people who like the video games a lot because fanboys make no mistake are the most annoying people like as a certainly a, a well-documented fanboy <laughs> uh you know it's annoying. There's nothing more annoying than somebody who really, really loves the source material who refuses to give the adaptation a chance or um, even acknowledge when something works. Sometimes it can be, it can be a hard pill to swallow. Uh, and I, it almost feels like him kind of being like, I don't care like what the characters were before. I'm just going to do my own thing, which is fine. I mean, whatever he's got, he's got the gig. It's his show. He's in the driver's seat. Like you mean, do you, I guess, but I, I just, just the more I've been thinking about it, though, honestly, I just don't know that it's really a it's really a game or a franchise that makes the leap to the screen very easily. You know, like I think yeah. it's, I think it'll take a lot of work and it's going to take somebody with a really clear vision. You need somebody who's kind of like a mad scientist, like a George Miller to like make that leap and, and make it workable. You know? I would be excited about George Miller's Borderlands. I think actually, yeah, and that, that might be a, that. that might be, <laughs> that might be a lazy pull because it's it's so analogous like Mad Max, but yeah, it's certainly it's, inspired by Mad Max, so I guess it's well, not yeah. that much of a leap. <laughs> no, I mean, even as somebody, I've played several of the games, three of them actually, um, mm-hmm. and the main three to some extent, and like you know, to me, it just smells as though like. Jack Black, I think, makes sense as Claptrap. You know, you're going to put somebody in that role, and Jack sure. Black is an annoying robot. Fine. They could make worse choices. Um, yes. The Kevin Hart as Roland is the one that sticks out like a sore thumb. But at the same time, it's kind of like, for, for me, when you're going to adapt a game like this that has kind of four player characters that you could choose between who very much have their own personality. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, what is the point of this adaptation if you're not going to like really drill down into who these characters are? Not that like Kevin Hart couldn't play Roland, but I Kevin Hart is just such a name that is so much bigger than anybody that he's going to play that like he's going to be Kevin Hart, right? There's going to be a joke about him being short, like <laughs> repeatedly. And For I'm sure. just going to be like, <laughs> absolutely. So it's kind of like, I'm kind of like, why would you bother to adapt? Is Borderlands really that big of a video game that like they're like we could get those Borderlands fans in seats in the movie theater? <laughs> like I don't. It's just it's a strange choice, yeah, for the sure. Math isn't adding up. Maybe Eli, Eli Roth is just a huge Borderlands fan or something, but I think if he is, I don't know that he'd make the movie this way. I I, I think the fact that. so far the fact that Brick and Mordecai don't seem to be in the movie is the most off putting thing because Borderlands without them makes no sense. Yeah, and without it, even those those four, the all four of the main characters the actual of the characters game. from the game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean Tina, Tiny Tina, and Krieg, whatever. Like they they are characters of the game, but they're 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 
they're great as like supporting characters. Like those, the yeah. fur, the main four have such good contrasting personalities. And if you want to, if you want to be going after that kind of the mummy guardians, of the galaxy kind of like ragtag group of people chasing treasure vibe, you've got to have those distinct clashing personalities. And I mean, they're whatever. We're already putting more thought into this worth necessarily. Uh, <laughs> I, I think Borderlands 1, which seems like what they're kind of doing, is a, is a fine, you know, go for it. Borderlands 2, I think, is one of is one of my favorite video games of all time. Uh, Gojo and I have spent hundreds of hours playing that game easily. And if they straight up said that they were adapting that one, I would certainly be a little more probably personally offended if they weren't sticking a little more to the source material because the story is incredible and would make an awesome movie. Actually, when Gojo and I were just talking about this game, or I'm sorry, this movie a couple days ago, he he hit the nail on the head right at the bat. He was like, why don't they just make it an animated movie? And I was like, that would be way better. You're 100% correct. Like live action is, it's going to be a stretch just because the game is so stylized and it's it's baked into the to the DNA of what Borderlands is, that look that, you know, doing it live action is going to be, it's going to be a struggle to do it any justice. So whatever. It it's might really be cool. interesting too. Like I feel as though there's kind of this untapped market of like, and I think Ratchet and Clank when the when the most recent game came out, they tried to make a movie using kind of the same cinematic engine of the game. But like, yeah, the I feel like there's this kind of untapped world of like, why don't we just use the literal video game assets to make a movie <laughs> and <laughs> put it up on like Netflix or Amazon or something like that? Like, totally. Yeah, your Netflix is really doing a lot of that. They're they're just churning out these like anime movies and adaptations and some of them look cool and yeah. I'm not even like an anime fan, but sometimes I, I catch a glimpse of like a thumbnail and I kind of watch like the trailer and I add it to my queue because I'm like, Oh, that, that kind of caught my eye. And yeah, with something like Borderlands, I mean, keep the cast, just make them voice roles if you want, or, or even model the likenesses off of my guess. But I mean, this movie is going to be so heavily CGI anyway Mm-hmm. Just animate it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> save yourself the time Yeah, and just go for it. Save yeah. the actors the time of just, it, it is bizarre. And it's such a bizarre property that I'm like, why, why is Kate Blanchett in this movie? <laughs> it's just so <laughs> weird. I don't um, know. Honestly. Well, yeah. I like, I think in terms of Lilith, she fits the role, but why yeah. would she say yes to yeah, it? This for sure. Yeah. Push. We're in that like Jack Black totally makes sense. Even I mean, even Jamie Lee Curtis, I think, is is above this material. And and I say that as a fan of the material, but I'm like, come on, like you're you're too good for this. Like the do something else. But I think she'll be good. Like she's she's good for the role too. The interesting thing about them is that both Jack Black and Jamie Lee Curtis, I believe, are at least somewhat have their toes in the video game world. You know, she's she I think she plays a lot of wow with her son. So like, that's amazing. The idea that maybe both of them will be like, Oh, I know borderlands and you know, this could be fun or, you know, I'll take that sure. pay- paycheck or whatever I think makes sense. But it is just a, it's a very eclectic cast. Yes, it is. Yes, <laughs> and it is. I, if they round it out, if they say, Hey, we're withhold, we were the, you know, these are the last two, but we, we cast brick and Mordecai too. Then I'll be a little more excited because those two characters are the, they're the best. They yeah. have the they have the best personalities and visually they're they're very iconic and uh, it would be a lot of fun. I I'm excited about Edgar Ramirez just because I think he's the shit. So yeah. whatever he's doing in Borderlands will be cool. Well, and Janina Gavankar is playing Commander Knox, and I like oh, okay. Janina quite a bit from a few yeah yeah things that she's been in. She's awesome. She's in uh, the Morning Show, right? Yes, yeah. yeah, and she's also big into the video game world in terms of like. 
Yeah, she was the she, lead in Star Wars uh, Battlefront, Battlefront 2, 2, right? Yep, yeah. and she also uh, helped to develop a couple games. I think there's a game called, uh, I think it's either called After Party or Party Hard, I think, something like that. Anyway. Yeah, that's true. Maybe they just got people that were interested and said, like, they like gaming or something. Or I mean, whatever. You, yeah. You'll you'll say if you want the paycheck, I guess. But yeah, I love games. Cool. I love <laughs> I love the Xbox. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really, John Carpenter should be directing this, but that's another he's busy he's busy uh watching actually gaming and, <laughs> playing yeah. yeah he's playing the game <laughs> yeah he's he's doing his dailies in destiny too so he can't uh <laughs> he can't be bothered tim are you excited for borderlands uh i don't know anything about the game <laughs> um am i i not sure i, I don't i don't i i'm I, I guess i'm the i guess i'm the eli roth defender on this i but i'm not like ready to jump in and defend his honor right now uh i like quite, i like quite a few of his movies honestly uh i think knock knock is a trash classic at mm. this point and it should be seen by all um my highest recommendation for knock knock and but other than that like he is a director that i, I kind of like listening to him he does that history of horror show that's uh, on amc and shutter and i kind of like listening to him talk about movies more than i do him directing movies if that makes sense yeah so um and i still think the best thing he's ever done is that uh his grindhouse trailer the thanksgiving one yeah that's great it's really good because yeah it's 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 a takeoff on an old like early 80s slasher the late 70s early 80s slasher but set during thanksgiving and it's it's really really fun um and i think it's i think it's and that's not a slight to say it's my favorite thing he's ever directed because i just i love it a lot and yeah so um i'm sure i'm kind of excited the only eli roth film that i've seen is actually the house with the clock in its walls which came out in 2018 yeah. uh kind of a, a kid oriented halloweenish movie um and it was okay i didn't yeah. like love it didn't hate it um that's where he hooked up with Jack Black for the first time. If I recall. yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah. maybe that uh, that right over beautiful here. partnership carries through to to Borderlands. But we'll and I'm sure the rest of the cast is with me. They just saw a knock knock and recognize it for what it is. They recognize greatness, <laughs> a masterpiece, uh, more than only God forgives. And <laughs> <laughs> they yeah, jumped I mean, on board immediately. It, it honestly, the first trailer might hit, and I be I might totally just eat my words and say that looks awesome there's uh, there is a prob a high probability of that happening like i said i'm trying not to to go with my gut reaction yeah. although the character of scooter i said for the last seven years or eight years something that walton goggins has to play him and he's not and that bums me out thoroughly because <laughs> he'd be just money in the bank it'd be so sweet Every time I play that game and Scooter runs around, I'm just like, God, this should be Walton Goggins. He'd be so funny. <laughs> he's too he's too good. He's too big now. He's busy being baby Billy, and that's all right. <laughs> the guy that oh, got to play Billy. Scooter looks he looks pretty solid. Like he looks pretty like a weird hillbilly, so it should be all right. <laughs> It'll turn out it might turn out okay. Yeah, Tim, if there was a way to play that game on one point five times speed, I think you would like it. <laughs> <laughs> If there was a way to like not have to deal with all the shooting and grinding and that, like if that's not your thing, which I'm guessing it's not, then I think you would like the characters. I think you'd like the world and I think you'd probably like the story a lot, but it's just, you know, if it's not your type of game, then it's, it would be near impossible to play. I know we've tried, Gojo and I have tried to get Alex to play it with us many times over the years and we've always gotten him in for like a session or two. And then he just, you know, kind of falls off it, I think. Cause it's, you got to like shooters for sure. 
Uh, Nick, you were saying that Tim should watch or should play the game at 1.5 times speed. Good news. There's a full playthrough with no commentary on YouTube that is six hours and 42 minutes long. So you might be, I, I don't know if you can play on two times speed on, on YouTube. But, <laughs> that, uh, that totally defeats the purpose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think if you could, if you could blitz through it uh, in some way, Tim, you would enjoy it. You'd enjoy I, the, the world and the characters and the story quite a bit. I, Honestly, I've grown to enjoy kind of grindy games. I should get into like because JRPGs are very grindy at times, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I think like I think I would like them. I have been playing weirdly enough. One of the games I'm enjoying grinding on is a base the new baseball MLB the show because you can just play career mode and just shag fly balls for <laughs> <laughs> for like and it's very calming just running down fly balls the whole time. <laughs> well, There's something awesome. nice about a nice grindy game it just but it needs to be the just the right so like Mm -hmm. destiny becomes like another full-time job if you're playing like it's not a fun grind because it turns into like an obligation but borderlands is really fun it's a good like i have like my new kind of category for games called my dad games where they're good games for me where like i'm like oh i literally have a 20 minute window where i can play a game cool what am i gonna pop in and borderlands 3 is one of the top three or five games that I go to because it does have that kind of grind factor to it. And you're going to get some like cool, weird, crazy guns at the end of it. And you're just going to like laugh. And it's a very silly, irreverent uh, sense of humor that the game has. And so you'll get like a couple chuckles out of it. And then, you know, you go on about your day and then you can come back to it in a few weeks or whatever. And you're not really going to have missed anything because although it is like a multiplayer experience with a grind element, the game doesn't hinge on your ability to keep up with it on like a daily basis. And uh, yeah, you would really, I think you'd really enjoy a lot of the characters. You'd have a lot of fun with, uh, with some of it, especially Mr. Torg. You you just have to talk to Gojo about it. Just ask him about (laughs) Mr. Torg and he'll tell you all about it. I think that I basically uh, Randy Savage and the Hulk Hulkster (laughs) rolled into one and it's amazing. They eventually released the first borderlands for PS4, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Okay. The first okay. one would probably be hard to go back to. It is it is pretty old at this point. I think it came out in like 2008. Hmm. Um, but 2, uh, yeah, it's tough because 2 doesn't really, the game, you won't get as much out of the story without having at least been familiarized with the first one. Well, so. I'm sure it'll it'll go on sale and be pretty cheap at some point in the future yeah. here. So we'll yeah, I think, Tim, I think you'd too. have to give it a shot. And there's, yeah. there's, I mean, there's a lot of games. You could just play the main three, but there's also the, the pre-sequel uh, to 2, and there's a Telltale game. Uh, which is like the decision-making adventure game, kind of point-and-click right. style. It's also really good. Um, so there's there's a lot. It has a lot to offer. But I think it, you know, it, like a like a direct to streaming animated would have totally been a, a really awesome way to go. Like I would have really loved that. But we'll see. I'm gonna give it a give it a chance for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of video games, I think it's time to start talking about some Mortal Kombat. Uh, as we said, there's a fantastic horror movie yearbook episode on the first Mortal Kombat film, 1995 release by Paul Whitescreen Anderson. Please uh, go check out that episode. But Nick, you it is uh, really good. I just listened to it. Uh, I think Tuesday. Yes. Uh, but Nick, you, you just rewatched last night. I watched earlier last week. Um, any feelings on MK 95 that you want to express? I think it's, it's still really sweet. <laughs> I think a lot of it holds up really well. As long as you, I just, I want to watch it with someone who's never seen it before. 
and kind of get their their read on it uh because i think it carries a lot of like that good old like 80s 90s adventure movie vibe throughout it and uh that's a that's a feeling that i really miss like i, I just kept thinking about the mummy because like, it just reminds me of a movie kind of like the mummy where it's just mm. this kind of somewhat globe trotting you know exotic location visiting adventure movie and it's got like a straight man and like a wisecracking guy and a, a tough girl and a bunch of cool side characters and an awesome villain and uh it's just is uh it's just a blast i uh had a great time with it a lot of the effects age miserably and a lot <laughs> of them age kind of okay and uh the choreography's great uh most most of it is anyway. I mean, it's got some weak spots, but when you considering it when it was made and how old it is now, like it, it's it holds up pretty well. And uh, the <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of the performances are still a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Robin Shu is really good, and such a star. He's such a star, and it's just such a giant drag, like that he didn't take Explode. off more. But I think Annihilation is partially to blame <laughs> and but the same i think the same can be said for lyndon ashby and for bridget wilson i think they're all a lot of fun and they have chemistry and i wish that a proper sequel to this movie had been made um because i think the, the three of them are really fun together and i wish the three of them had all had bigger careers because they're all uh they're all really good lyndon ashby and robin Shu have awesome chemistry together and as individuals they're just both really fun like robin Shu is just great and uh, Kerry Tagawa is unreal. Like, mm-hmm. what planet, what, what movie does he think he's in? <laughs> and thank God he's in this one because he is so good. Uh, the The final fight between him and Liu Kang is so sweet. Mm-hmm. And the way the, the, the theme comes in as they're like staring each other down and gearing up to fight. It's just is so you can't you can't not get hyped watching that. It's so sweet. And it's so stupid. Like, it's so ludicrous. Like, my brother and I were watching the, both of these movies. We, we double featured MK95 and Annihilation back to back last night. And we both started laughing. But at the same time, we were like, this is so sweet. Like, it just is awesome. Uh, there's a lot of just really, like, fist pumpy moments throughout that movie. And uh, I don't know. It just was a good time. It's a, it's a good time to watch with, like, some of your buds that you have, you know, also watched it back in the day. And you just kind of take a step back in time and remember a, a, a simpler a simpler time. That's the thing. I think you mentioned like wanting to watch it with somebody who hasn't seen it before, but like, I think without any reverence for the game, I think this movie might fall apart, but that's why I want to know. I don't, I don't think there's anybody who likes the game, but didn't see this movie. (laughs) 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 I think the, the group of people that that would encompass is very, very small. Um, I just want to know if like the the genre stuff that they applied to it works for someone who doesn't have the knowledge of the games. You know what I mean? Yeah, like like yeah. if if that kind of threesome, you know, fish out of water thing, uh, it, it, it chasing after something, and they all have their own individual stories, but they're all driving towards this bigger goal. Like if it would work for somebody else or not? Yeah, no, that makes sense. <clears throat> um, I think yeah. the movie, I. So this movie definitely made me, uh, it also made me really nostalgic for like that time period because it was shot on film. It was Mm -hmm. shot on these like sets and it was like lit 
with like really dramatic cinematography. Like there's some really visually awesome stuff in the first Mortal Kombat movie. There's some kick ass shots. And even just like simple things like the when they're at the docks, I, I just kept thinking of this because I remember it from the trailer when I was a kid and it's pops in the movie so well when they're at the dock and they're getting ready to board the ship and they see Kano in that little like shack and there's like somebody welding or something and there's like these it, it throws these sparks and this wash of light over him, his face and his eye and it looks so fucking rad and it just like the shadows are really deep and it's all really contrasty and it's so moody and there's so much of that throughout the movie and I'm like, man, by by contrast, when you watch like the new one, you're like, this is just doesn't hold a candle to it. There's not, I don't think really many shots in, in Mortal Kombat 2021 that evoke that same kind of visual drama that MK95 does. Like there's a lot of really cool color stuff. Like when right at the beginning, when Lou snaps out of his nightmare and the whole room is green for some reason, like what the hell? It makes no, like why? It's not motivated <laughs> at all, but it looks sweet. And there's all these crazy purples and greens throughout the movie. There's just tons of color. Uh, there's lots of fog machines, lots of like streaks and shafts of light. Like there's, there's thought put into the production design of the movie in a way that doesn't always get uh, applied or, or is not as noticeable these days because it's muddled down by, um, you know, CGI or, or just different camera technology or, not even getting the time to do it, you know. I was just reading this uh, this article online about this kind of uh, race to the bottom of like directors and DPs, people with no experience that are a lot of hype that market themselves well, and so they get these quick jobs on Netflix, shooting things like even like Daredevil, Jessica Jones, and shows like this that are higher profile, but they are getting helmed and lensed by people without the same experience, and it just shows in the in the material. And although the story might be kind of sharp and the performances are good. There's a there's a lack of the visual craftsmanship that used to exist in even kind of B and C tier movies, you know, like this that I just kind of miss. You know, even if you watch like kind of a schlocky, uh, I don't know why I'm thinking of Paul Verhoeven, but some, someone like that there, he he's like an artist still. And like uh, Tim, when you guys talk about like Joel Schumacher before, yeah. like th- there's somebody who has... Uh, really powerful visual sensibility. And although his movies like might be kind of cornball and you might watch something like Batman and Robin and be like, what the hell is this? Uh, there's like, there's, there's an artistic sensibility behind it. Yeah. But like Batman and Robin, it's still like gorgeous looking movie. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's at least it, it's, it's interesting. Like yeah. it's distinct and it's, it's got an identity and a statement. Uh, I was going to say in terms of, you know, I, I recall the last, uh, resident evil movie that I've seen is, uh, I believe called after birth. Is that right? After life, after life, not after earth. <laughs> Take a knee, Alex. <laughs> no, <laughs> let me double check here. Evil films. Anyway, the last one that we reviewed on the podcast. Uh, yeah, it is Afterlife. I think I call, I think we jokingly called it resident evil after birth. Um, but probably, uh, I recall at one point in the discussion that Nick, Nick was of the mind of like, I can at least see the money on the screen here. And I think Paul widescreen, uh, I disagreed at the time. I was probably just being a stick in the mud. Cause I was mad that I spent time watching resident evil afterlife. Um, <laughs> but, uh, say what you will about widescreen. At least he can do interesting visual things even in, you know, 
a movie that you don't give a shit about like resident evil so i it's no surprise to me that like it was there even back in the not that it was just him like you like you were saying you got a dp and you know other other people on that team that are there cinematographer who are there to make it look interesting and cool and do interesting things with it so that's the um, that's the most fascinating part of the whole mortal Kombat cinematic endeavor because i think and mortal Kombat 95 looks really good i think it's like a really it's a well shot movie considering what it is and it's got some really awesome moments visually but the dp from mortal Kombat 95 is the director of annihilation why does (laughs) not an iota of this carry over into the sequel it's Mm. baffling like the sequel is straight up Sh- like shit on a shingle visually it's just it's bonkers how bad it looks no and I, I remember i was a sorry uh tim but i i was i was a defender of annihilation for a long time but then i started watching it this weekend and uh it's real bad <laughs> like there's i said it to nick in text but i was like it's interesting what 10 year old me thought was cool because <laughs> like it's so funny. There's a part at the beginning of this movie when Shao Kahn like spawns in and his whole team of fucking generals are behind him. And it's literally just like fucking dudes in ninja suits, like tor- contorting their torsos back and forth and like trying to look cool on like the Mortal Kombat loading screen fight splash screen or whatever. Ugh. And it's just like it, it It might as well be like a gif on loop playing behind like I. it's 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 rough. It's really rough. And um, I will not be defending Mortal Kombat Annihilation <laughs> on this podcast. But, you know, at the same time, let's see here. In terms of the original film, I think I think there was a lot done to Annihilation that was literally just like, we need to capitalize on this. Because the original film was written by Kevin Droney. And then this Annihilation was written by Brent V. Friedman and Bryce Zabel. Um, so I think there's a lot of that there. And on top of that, I think there was probably a lot of studio pressure that was basically just like, get another Mortal Kombat out. And so maybe there just was not that time to go ahead and say, let's put thought into these shots that we're making. Let's make it interesting looking. Let's do the cool stuff that we did on the first one. Um, you know, and you know, maybe, Maybe so John Leonetti, John R. Leonetti is the director of Annihilation. Nick, you were saying he was the DP on mm-hmm. the first one. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to jump into he's the DP on a lot of James Wan movies. Like he did the Conjuring and Insidious, and those are all really good looking movies too. Maybe so. he's a great DP and a horrible director, you know? Like, yeah, well his brother, Leonetti's older brother, was the DP of Annihilation. But for a <laughs> For do, you a, he, do you think that's fake and he did both and like that's the problem he was overextended <laughs> i mean he was trying to collect a double paycheck but he just he's like hey come along for this no i'm just kidding. there are many many directors who have skills in the in like the the camera department and the, like they know they know how to achieve something cool visually and i i i don't even know what i'm trying to say here like you wouldn't that's that's like the type of profession and the the type of of uh 
artist that you are that you don't like you don't just switch that off like if you're good you're good and i don't know <laughs> i don't know i don't know what happened i can't explain it <laughs> it's just it's it's maddening and it's the only reason now that i'll watch annihilation ever again because like 10 years ago 15 years ago we used to watch it because we just for the lulls because it was so bad that we would just like get a kick out of it and but now i just can't I, I can't rectify it in my brain. It doesn't, I don't understand how it is what it is. Like it just, def, it just defies any logic. I just don't get it. I don't get how it's possible. <laughs> it opens with a scene where you can see like the white outlines from like the green skin. Dude, <laughs> everything about it is bad. <laughs> everything about it is bad. Every instinct went the wrong way. Every yes should have been no. Every no should have been yes. It's, it's just, it's incredible uh, just the 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 amount of failure that is evident on the screen is just perplexing <laughs> i can't believe it i will say i think james ramar is actually trying as mot- motivational speaker raiden <laughs> in this yeah. movie like i think he's like <laughs> uh, willie and i talked about this too because i was texting him about it and i'm like i think he's i think he's trying to do like uh, he's he's giving an effort here but it's just oh it makes it even good. worse though like poor robin yeah. shu is trying and it just sucks the scene where he's just suddenly talking to katana about how he like he like can't lose her and he like touches her cheek it's insane it's the most it's just insane you could see in his eyes he's dying a little because he's like i'm not getting to develop this character the way i thought i would and it's just like when you leave the first model combat you are so hype about Liu kang like he is the shit then you watch him in, in annihilation you're just like oh this poor guy is just lost in this movie like like i was texting you guys just a little bit before we recorded this and there's those first few shots of annihilation that are so confusing where they're just like wandering around as like (laughs) lightning is flashing and like really fake looking rocks are falling and there's literally just these shot you can just i can just imagine it on set where the 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 dp just grabbed the camera and he just told robin she's like just walk around and and have your fists out like you're ready to fight, but you're not sure where the bad guys are going to come from. And they just <laughs> snagged it real quick and then said, okay, we'll use that. Let's move on. It's just, it's nuts. It's- I, I, honestly, I think the sum total of what this movie is, is explained by like Mortal Kombat 95 came out, made $70 million domestic on an $18 million budget. They were like, well, shit, we got to make a sequel. So they tack on the ending scene of the first movie where mm-hmm. they're like, oh man, there's another attack coming or something. Yeah. And then they go and make this movie probably with like a quarter of a script and like, just like fight scene here and just took the first take of literally every shot that they could get to yeah. try and get it out. And well, and, and you can do that kind of thing if if that's like your skill, like if you're like a Roger Corman yeah. type and you can just churn out movies with like no money and and a lack of talent, like you can yeah. uh, you can do that. Like that's a skill that like a particular producer or a particular director could have. They just didn't get those people. No, no, they didn't. They not. probably asked the DP from the first one was probably like, hey, I can do it. And they were like, okay, great. Like you, you have a rapport with some of the cast and like the crew. You were on for the first one. Like this is a totally logical choice. And then he just like fell on his face because you can't, you know, those skills are not necessarily transferable. Just because you're a badass carpenter doesn't mean you're going to be like 
awesome at working with sheet metal necessarily. Like even though you work alongside those guys, it's they're different skills and it's, uh, it's just fucking crazy, man. And poor Robin <laughs> Shu, cause he just poured himself into these movies. He like got so invested in the choreography and like really is just trying, but it's just, it's insane. It, it, you're, you're right, Alex, that it, it definitely demonstrates a lack of planning and a lack of coherency. And you can tell they would get on set and be like, okay, what are the pages for today? Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, has anyone figured out how Sub-Zero is going to enter? Nah. Okay, well, we'll just animate it in later. He just slides in, defying all physics by sliding forward, <laughs> even though he's up. It's just, it's crazy. <laughs> They're one of the IMDb trivia for Annihilation. Paul W.S. Anderson was offered to return for this film, but he chose to work on Event Horizon instead. He later expressed his dislike for the film and regret that he chose not to be involved in it. It was one of the reasons that he remained involved in the making of the sequels to Resident Evil as a way of, quote, staying with the franchise and shepherd it. Hmm. So, (laughs) Uh, I don't know how much better the movie would have been if he stuck around. Who uh, who wrote that? (laughs) You know, I will say, I mean, the Resident Evil sequels get bad, but I don't think they ever get Annihilation bad. No. Fair. Very yeah. fair. I, no, I, I, I would watch <laughs> Only God Forgives every day instead of Annihilation. <laughs> like, and I'll get more out of it because at least it looks cool. And like, there's there's sort of a point A to point B, but this movie is just, it's just crazy. Like my brother and I are watching it. We've seen that movie, the two of us together, at least 10 times. And I turned to him and I was like, do you remember the scene? And he like was laughing. He's like, no. <laughs> He's like, is this always is this the same cut? And I'm like, yeah, it hasn't changed. <laughs> it's it's just because you it's one of those movies where you get you black out in the middle of it. And and you just have to like, I don't know, you discover it anew every time. It's like it's like only or it's like uh, uh, Edge of Tomorrow. <laughs> Wake up well, and get, you, get slaughtered again. You know what? The uh, I think. uh we can start the Twitter campaign tonight. Hashtag release the Leonetti cut. And uh, we can see what the true Mortal Kombat Annihilation was meant to be. No, it's crazy. I remember uh, we went and saw this in the theater because we were such big Mortal Kombat fans. And uh, I was proud. This came out in 97. Yeah. So I was, I was November 97. So I might've just been turning like 12. I was probably like 11, maybe 12. And I remember thinking this sucks. And I remember <laughs> turning to my dad and he just kind of was making this face like, Yee. and uh, yeah, my brother, well, my brother said the same thing. Cause he was looking it up on IMDb while we were watching and he started laughing. He goes, there's a review on here that says when you're a kid and you're watching it and you think this movie stinks, then you know, there's something to be said, man. It's and uh, and it, it, I mean, it affects it. The thing is, it was number one at the box office when it was released. So people, there was still an excitement for it when it came out. But then it just, I think it bombed so hard. The rest of it, nobody liked it at all. So it killed the <laughs> franchise dead, like on arrival. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember being Crazy. so excited for it. I was so excited. Especially like Alex, you were mentioning how they started pulling in so many characters, which is part of the problem mm-hmm. with the movie. At the same time, they were kind of banking on that. And I remember as a kid getting a little bit excited when Nightwolf showed up. I was like, oh, cool. I love Nightwolf. And then he was terrible. And I was like, okay, never mind. And then like Cyrax shows up. You're like, sweet. Cyrax is tight. And then he stinks. And you're like, okay, gosh, what the hell? How, how can I win? Yeah. He also killed like, Johnny Cage in the first like 90 seconds. Yeah. I God. think they had literally nothing to go off of. And they were like, we're going to lean into the fan service and fit as many people in as we can. And, you know, but it did not work. Did not pay off. No. And it's totally the type of thing that would be, 
handled at least somewhat better today because I think producers now understand like this was probably just some cigar chomping dude that was like that first one made a lot of money cool make me another just pull in yep. a bunch of dudes from the game and just make it happen and now they understand the dollars that fans will put behind the franchises they like so they would take a little more time to consult somebody who like would know what they're doing and know how to adapt it properly like if they locked down joe taslim for four more mortal combats i think yeah, supposedly. Uh, they they know what they're doing now. They know the value of those long-term dollars. And by doing it at least somewhat right, you're going to at least keep people on the hook. Um, even if you didn't love Mortal Kombat 2021, you probably took something out of it that would make you kind of at least bite again for another one. Yeah. Uh, Tim, you have any final thoughts on Annihilation before we move on? No, we're good. <laughs> All right. So I think it's time to get to our full review of Mortal Kombat 2021, directed by Simon McCoyd. And uh, starring Louis Tan, Jessica McNamee, Josh Lawson, definitely Josh Lawson, uh, Joe Taslam, <laughs> and many other people. Uh, Ludi Lin, Chin Han, many more people. Uh, the IMDb synopsis says MMA fighter Cole Young seeks out Earth's greatest champions in order to stand against the enemies of Outworld in a high stakes battle for the universe. Uh, I'm going to say we're going to be spoilery this entire time. Okay. Everybody knows what this movie is, and uh, you've either watched it or not by this point. You're not waiting for us. All right, so Mortal Kombat uh, 2021. Tim, what were your thoughts on this new adaptation of the old tale of Mortal Kombat? Um, So, you know how we've talked about a few movies um, on the podcast since since we've been back in recording. we're, We're like, man, this would have been like killer i would have loved to have seen this in the theater like mm-hmm. this is great to have seen uh for me this was definitely that one like th- i i watched this in i was visiting my parents and i was watching in my parents living room with my wife and my brother and at saturday night at about like 11 o'clock at night and i went this is the perfect viewing experience <laughs> for this movie <laughs> like this movie belongs on a well i guess a streaming service or back in the day like dvd vhs like at home (laughs) like i miss none of the theater experience with this one Mm -hmm. um it is a movie with a great opening 13 minutes i think i timed Mm -hmm. it out um with the sub-zero scorpion fight and, and the kind of whole backstory it's got that it's one of those great openings that tells tells an entire story in it almost feels like a mini movie itself and yeah. it tells that entire entire story. I think it's awesome. And then it's a movie with a great, well, a good last 30 minutes with some really cool fight scenes and some really cool moments and some really cool mortalities, kills, um, fatalities, not mortalities. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like that I'm, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not an expert on these games. Like the last one I think I played was probably four for like 64. So it's, I, I haven't played a lot. I haven't played hey. a long time. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Anyway, it's a movie with a great beginning, a pretty good end, and then some stuff in the middle that kind of um, I don't remember, even though I watched it again today or I had it on again today. (laughs) Like the stuff in the middle is fading from my memory pretty quick. Um, Yeah, I I think my perfect Mortal Kombat and perfect is kind of a strong word, but my preferred Mortal Kombat would be something similar to the 1995 film plot wise where you where you get the tournament and Mm -hmm. 
you kind of you get all the stuff that you kind of recognize as Mortal Kombat. And maybe like you guys talked about earlier, some of the visual sense of that mixed with the gore and brutality of and the Scorpion and Sub-Zero stuff of this one. Yeah, Um, because I think where this movie when this movie really shines, it's when it's when Sub-Zero is on the screen. Uh, pretty much any time Sub-Zero is around, this, yeah. movie, this movie elevates. And a lot of that is due to um, uh, uh, Taslam, Joe Taslam. And mm-hmm. he does, in that opening, watching it, he does... Action movies are a great showcase for kind of facial expressions. And his facial expressions in that in that opening sequence are so cool. He's so menacing. Mm-hmm. And it's just... It's seeing him without the mask on is just <clears throat> you you learn a lot about the sub-zero character and who he is in that first 13 minutes so uh, yeah so basically that anytime anytime those characters are on uh, i'm i'm fully invested it's a it's a very cheap looking movie at times i think that's uh, that's this is the first time uh he's a first time director simon mccoyd yeah. uh, and i think it i think it comes across a lot of times because it's, it's very cheap looking, especially in the middle and, but whatever. <laughs> so, and, and now I, I think that's kind of where I'm at. on it. I, I overall, I had a fun time watching it. It's a very silly movie. Unlike with 95, where I feel like I'm laughing with it. A lot of the time, this one, I am kind of laughing at it a lot of the time. Uh, what's his name? Kano. Yeah. Yeah. Kano, Kano is very funny. Uh, Kano is, he has a lot of jokes in this mm-hmm. though. And some of them don't land too. And there are times when he's kind of annoying, but maybe that's his thing. I preferred for my uh, comic relief. I, fr- I preferred Cabal. Is that his name? Yeah. That guy was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I guess we'll probably, we should mention Cole young. So I understand. I don't, I don't hate old Cole as much. He's just kind of there. And I understand why he's there. But yeah, they probably could have uh, they probably could have picked a, uh, one of the existing 800 characters of the Mortal Kombat game to use <laughs> as kind of an entryway into this universe. But he's fly, He's fine as kind of like a bland cipher um, into this weird, crazy world. Um, I, I don't necessarily think he's bad. Yeah. But as far as performances go, um, I think Taslam and Sonata as Scorpion are kind of the standouts for me personally. But oh, yeah. um, overall, I had fun watching it. And I, I would, pr- I would rank it behind the 95 movie, but uh, way ahead of Annihilation <laughs> in terms of Mortal Kombat movies. All right. Nick, what are your thoughts on Mortal Kombat 2021? Yeah, I kind of, uh, well, so, so our experience, our, our viewing experience for this was, I think, pretty choice because we had the. We had Alex's projector and screen hooked up in Willie's garage, and mm-hmm. we had a bunch of us gathered around, uh, sitting outside in our lawn chairs and stuff. We had alcohol, we had a <laughs> bunch of candy, and uh, we were yelling and cheering and, and shouting and like yeah. reacting to like the big moments. And I think we we probably had a few more Mortal Kombat fans in the house which certainly helped for some of like the big, the big beats and the big character moments of, you know, the characters that you like um, seeing a lot of them get their little fan servicey moments. Pretty much everybody kind of had one, which was pretty sweet. Uh, that was really, really fun. And I think had I been watching this movie uh, late at night, like by myself or just with one other person, it would have kind of not had the same impact because we had probably like, I don't know, eight, eight or nine of us, seven, eight or nine of us somewhere in there. 
watching yeah, it. it was, I think it was like seven, <laughs> seven or eight. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was awesome. It was like just the right amount uh, in a, like a packed house at a movie theater. It, it could have gone over really well if it had been a bunch of rowdy Mortal Kombat fans or if it had been a bunch of just like uh, average theater goers, they would have been like, I don't know what's going on here. Or like, I don't know if this is for me necessarily, but uh, the environment was perfect. And as a result, I think I had a lot of a lot more fun with the movie than I may have had otherwise. Um, I think <laughs> I agree with Tim. I think I put 95 just slightly ahead of it. If I'm going to pop one on just to watch, I'm I'm going to pick 95 for sure. Mm-hmm. It's just a little more focused. It's a little cleaner. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think that the action, a lot of the fighting is better in this one. There's certainly a lot more ambitious camera work. Um, but things have come so far in terms of how these movies are shot and how these stunt people uh, train and what they're able to to see realized on the screen now. It's just it, it, the whole game has changed in the the what like. 25 years since the first one came out. Uh, so it's a different ball game at this point. So it's, it's kind of unfair to compare them, but uh, I still think I had a lot of, I had a lot of fun with it. I still think it's, it's pretty good and there's a lot of worth to it. I think uh, I'm pretty in line with Tim on a lot of the performances. I had a blast with, with Josh Lawson though. I can totally understand him coming across as a little too like Ryan Reynolds, where every single line has to be equipped and you're like, okay, but uh, for the most part, they all landed. I really loved Liu Kang and Kung Lao in this. Uh, those are the two characters that I'm always like that that I'm was most concerned about them getting right going into it, and I was very, very, very happy with both of them. Um, so that's good. I was really disappointed in the decision to kill Kung Lao because he's probably my favorite Mortal Kombat character. Yeah. Um, and Gojo kept being like defending. He was like, "Well, he's the most expendable," and I was like, "No." No, Cole Young is the most expendable character on the screen. Let's not. Kung Lao's just too good. He's too God, cool. He's too what awesome. If, what if they fucking killed Cole by the end of this movie just to show you, like, yeah, we knew you didn't want that piece of shit in this movie. <laughs> like, how well, insane would that have been? It's the only way to actually have stakes because, like, if you had killed the guy that you're establishing with, like, the wife and the and the kid, then I'd be like, okay, wow, you want us to actually like. This movie's taking itself fairly seriously. Right. right. It would have been pretty cool, but you killed Kung Lao and you made me more upset. <laughs> Kung Lao no, has, the, he has the best kill in the movie, too. Oh, my God. He has yes. the best everything in the movie. <laughs> His entrance, I almost stood up out of my chair because it was so sick. It was just unreal. And uh, Max Wong, who plays him, was so good. And his yeah. scene where he's goading on Kano in the middle there was so his little facial expressions where he's just raising his eyebrows at him was so funny. I was like, this is <laughs> this guy's great. Like t- totally to to what Tim said about the uh, a lot of these guys' ability to really act at their faces and get these kind of over the top expressions, but make them believable, make you buy into it, and not make it too over the top is just uh, was just perfect. Mm-hmm. So I loved all all the the real life fighters that were cast in this movie. I thought were like were pretty awesome. I was really disappointed in Raiden and Shang Tsung. Uh, these two, to me, as the kids say, did not understand the assignment. I was, <laughs> they both were pretty sleepy. And I think Raiden's design was really cool. But they just like both were just too serious and, and not having fun with it at all. And it just, man... I I I I might have actually missed Christopher Lambert a little bit <laughs> in this one, <laughs> which is weird because I shouldn't. 
I definitely missed Kerry Tagawa. Like, just yeah. bring him back. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Bring him back. Like, doesn't matter how old he is. He's the shit. And he does more with his face in one scene in the first Mortal Kombat than the entire cast of this movie does. It's crazy the Jim Carrey level of facial gymnastics that he's capable of. And I wanted to just see more of that from Shang Tsung because it's it's what we're all used to at this point, and it's awesome. Uh, Sub-Zero was amazing. Scorpion was great. Uh, a lot of the supporting cast was fun. I even liked Jax, although his story is the funniest in his arms. <laughs> his arms are... His, They're amazing. His, they, they are unsettling. I love his little skinny arms. <laughs> Dude, the scene... Okay, so Cole... Cole is really bad. Cole's very bad. And I feel really, really, really bad for Louis Tan because he was so pumped to be cat. Like him on social media, on Twitter and stuff was like so excited to be like the guy, right? In the Mortal Mm -hmm. Kombat movie. And like he's got the real life experience. He's got the credentials. Like he can fight. I think he's probably a better actor than this movie lets him be. But yeah, he... Like, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. And his behind-the-scenes photos, he seems like such a genuine guy. Like, I really feel for this guy because he's just going to get eviscerated in a lot of corners of the internet. And I hope he just doesn't actually check his social media accounts and it's run by somebody else because I just feel bad. Like, it seemed really well-intentioned. But Cole sucks. And so much of his story is just really feels misguided and just kind of dead on arrival um, it, I just don't think it works the way they wanted it to work. But well, the, the scene issue, where oh, sorry. the scene where they're all uh, going through their training, trying to find their arcanas and stuff, and they're all having dinner, and he sits down and he like says something about his arm hurting or something, and he's sitting next to Jax. I fucking screamed <laughs> because I was like, "This is perfect, Cole. He's just the most insensitive dummy around." And he's like, "Ah, eh, my arm." And Jax is sitting there like he can't hold a spoon because he doesn't know how to use his <laughs> robot arms yet. Oh my god, it was perfect. I was dying. It was so funny. He's a bad character, and if they were just like, "Oh." He died or something, uh, or if they do, if they do to him what they did to Johnny Cage and the others, I don't think anyone will mind. And I don't want to like celebrate it, but at the same time, like he just wasn't, he didn't contribute to the movie at all. And um, I don't know. I mean, we can just have Scorpion be in the movie now. It's fine. We don't need him to to do anything. <laughs> like just it just didn't work uh, really yeah. on any level. <clears throat> uh, the only other little minor complaints: I'm really tired of Lizard Reptile. I want mm-hmm. actual humanoid reptile mm-hmm. who maybe pulls off his mask and has like a scaly face or something. But other than that, like I like human reptile. He's he's the man in the first Mortal Kombat movie. He's, his fight is so sweet and he was such a cool character in the game and he just looks cooler as like a palette swap of the other guys. Mm-hmm. I didn't like Sub-Zero's costume. Why does an armor? I, I didn't like it at all, really. But I like... Why liked, is it not uh, blue? <laughs> really? Why? Maybe. Yeah. It just... it It was bad. Yeah. Like the costume, his and Scorpion's costumes in MK95 are so sweet. They're perfect. Like mm-hmm. they're awesome. Just go back to that, but make it more uh, modern. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, I liked Sonya. And uh, yeah, I liked Sonya a lot. I don't know. I don't think I've seen. Oh, I've seen her in the Meg. So that's about yeah, all I think Meg. I've seen her she's in before. The Meg. Yeah. the Meg is awesome. She's not the Meg, but she's no. the Meg. Yeah. Her name is not Meg. She's not. <laughs> she does not play the, the Meg in the Meg. <laughs> No, the Meg is cool. She's good in the Meg. Uh, I liked her a lot in this too. I think Sony's kind of a tricky character, um, and I think they they did it really well. 
the whole mechanic of the arcana thing was kind of weird and stupid. I didn't Terrible. really like that. <laughs> I hated the birthmark thing. Actually, I revisited uh, our our uh, friend of the show. Bruce has his own podcast, uh, Screenplay Archaeology. I revisited his Mortal Kombat episode where he covered the script, uh, which is basically this script uh, years ago. And in that, instead of a birthmark, it's actually like a medal, like a, like a medallion that is either passed down to you through generations, like through family members, or you can kill someone and take it off of them. And that medallion is like your sort of entry into like Mortal Kombat. I think that's 10 way billion times better and way, way more interesting and way more digestible and uh, just better. This birthmark thing was just weird and stupid. And it's like, oh, you kill someone and it transfers on your body. Like it just doesn't, like, why not just make it a medallion? Like, oh, I killed him and took it off of him. Cool. I'm in Mortal Kombat now. Like, give me my power. I don't know. It works better. Um, but all in all, I liked it. I had fun with it. I will watch it again, I'm sure, and have a good time with it. And I really want to see more of them. And I want them to bring back Kung Lao because he's awesome. And uh, that's about all I got, I guess. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I don't uh, disagree with much of anything that you guys have said, either positive or negative here. Like, I think this movie is a lot of fun because I was not expecting, you know, even a passable story out of this movie. <laughs> like, I think the expectations for Mortal Kombat movies can be set pretty low. And it's just like, as long as I enjoy the fighting and I think some of it looks cool, you're going to, I'm going to have a good time. Um, which is why Annihilation fi- fa- like fails so terribly because it looks horrible. <laughs> but also, um, you know, it's interesting because there's a lot of people out there complaining about this movie. Like, you know, Gojo kept harping on the fact that like there were people complaining about character development and stuff like that. Like the good news is if this movie didn't quite do it for you in a Mortal Kombat sense, the, the story in the previous three Mortal Kombat games right now is the greatest fighting game story that has ever existed. Like, People would make fun of the fact that fighting games don't need a story like this is these three games or Mortal Kombat 2011, which came out on the PS3 360 generation, is the game that has made it so that people expect a good story out of their fighting games. Because before this, there wasn't one. It was like you get an ending that looked cool or uh, like a title card at the end that said stuff. Um, So I think it's it's great that the video games exist because they have these great stories. And at the same time, there's part of me that's like, why do they not pull from those more heavily here? But you know, Hollywood is a very, uh, they're slow on the uptake sometimes, especially when it comes to video games. And and so I kind of get it. All of that said, like I, I enjoyed a lot of what happened here. It was nice to finally see a sub zero and a scorpion, against each other as they have always been in, in the stories of the games. And, um, you know, seeing, seeing many of these characters more true to themselves, I think was great. Uh, cause in 95, you know, they tone it down in a lot of ways, even, even just, uh, you know, not necessarily for like a Johnny cage, um, or kind of the big three there, Sonya and Luke Kang, but even just Scorpion and Sub-Zero, there's something about the way that they show them fighting here that feels like more than just martial arts. It does feel mystical and magical to me in a way that like it doesn't necessarily in 95, not to diss 95 Scorpion and, and, uh, and uh, Sub-Zero fights. Cause they're, they're very good in a lot of ways, but it's on a different level here. And I really appreciated that. 
Um, but yes, Cole Young, I think, did not need to be in this movie. I understand why he is here in terms of the Hollywood machine, but uh, I, I didn't. You know, I, I agree with everything that Nick said. I think uh, I think that uh, Lewis Tan could have gotten a better shake, especially in terms of the script that he was working with, the words that he had, <laughs> and even just the utilization of the character. The idea that like he spends most of this movie getting the shit kicked out of him, and then the <laughs> arcana power that he gains is like armor, so that he continue to continue to take a beating. Yeah, it really kind of just. You could have you could have done it better in a lot of ways. Um, so he's like easy mode, right? Is it his like his power? So like he can take a bunch of beatings and like come back, like he absorbs them. It's kind of like a like a cheat. Yeah, uh, yeah I guess he gets his an power, extra life bar or something. You yeah. know, his power is plot armor. Yeah, we need we need the story to go further. Here's your armor. Literally, <laughs> the movie does him no favors either because it tells it it, it basically says his plot in the like the opening crawl or whatever mm-hmm. of the movie and it gives away his entire backstory so the rest of the movie with him is just kind of going through the motions and you're yeah. Going like yeah can we get to this <laughs> yep it um yeah it's such an insult too because like okay if he's a shitty fighter he's getting the, the crap kicked out of him all the time instead of making him a better fighter you just give him the ability to continue to get the crap kicked out of him like <laughs> yes. if he has he has like terrible eyes and you're like cool here's some glasses like why didn't you just fix my eyes no here's glasses <laughs> you're you're not like you're not addressing the problem you're just putting mm-hmm. a band-aid on it it was so bad and then i and then he's the one who takes out goro too in such a dumb way like the whole yeah. goro what a waste of goro. goro goes out like a punk here. yeah, yeah. And, the, and, and well the one the one thing that we'll say about the goro moment and more accurately about the Kano Liu Kang sweep moment. Like the way that the movie brings in some of the video game, like fun in jokes of Mm -hmm. like the fact that fucking sweeps are so goddamn cheap in these games, especially in the older ones. And, uh, you know, uppercutting Goro is the secret to success for that fight. Dad, Um, use your uppercut. (laughs) (laughs) It's they use it in a very stupid way, but I do kind of appreciate that. They tried to like shoehorn in some of the, the video gaminess of the game into the movie. Like I think, especially the sweep moment, I think worked really well. That I was, thought, that was incredible. That was magnificent. It's the- so, it's really funny. And it, you know, riling up Kano. I think I, I enjoyed Kano. I, I, you'd close to Nick with Kano. Cause I just kind of enjoyed seeing him get riled up and, uh, I don't want to, Oh, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to come across. Like I did not like him. I just, he is a lot. To he take is. He's very and, extra. Uh, but to be honest with you, during that middle portion of the movie, he is a shining light during during yes. a lot of them just walking around and then um, people traveling from spot to spot kind of randomly. Like, yes. I, don't, I don't understand how interdimensional travel works, I guess, or however they travel in these movies, like because they just kind of show up. <laughs> it's just raiding. It's lightning. Yes. Know, yeah. As my, or as my wife calls him, Radon. Uh, radon. <laughs> the, noble, the noblest of gases. It's radon poisoning. They just uh, fall asleep. Yeah, especially too when like later they're like, Raiden, you can teleport anyone in the world wherever you want, right? He's like, yep. And I'm like, cool. Why did you let Kung Lao die again, though? If you could do that at any time, why didn't you just bamf everyone out of there and be like, well, guys, um, let's regroup. Like, what the fuck, man? Yeah, it's got, you know, there's stupid some very, coal. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
and Kano has my two favorite jokes of the movie or two favorite lines of the movie. The one is where she reveals she doesn't have the mark or whatever. Yep, and it goes yep. womp womp. Yep. <laughs> and then the second one, yeah, I can't remember where it ex- exactly it is, but it's an, I think it's another response to Sonia. And he goes, fucking whoops. Fucking whoops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> very, very good. He was, um, he was a lot of fun. Kung Lao. I think they'll bring back Kano. Natara into his hat is an incredible moment to witness on screen. Uh, Natara is one of the only characters in the movie that comes from the PS2 Xbox era of video games, which are largely seen as like rough, but better than Mortal Kombat 4 in a lot of ways. Um, It's kind of like the rising action to get to Mortal Kombat 9, but a lot of the characters that they introduced at the time kind of sucked, and Natara was one of them. So the fact that she just gets ripped apart by <laughs> Kung Lao's hat uh, is great. Yes. And the fact, the fact that like fatalities are a thing in this version of the movie, the rated yeah. R ness of this movie is pretty good that, you know, it, it could finally, we live in a world where mortal Kombat can be rated R. <laughs> That's kind of cool. The like Jack's I like head that. smash is really cool too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Jack's was and, cool. I like Jack's and his arms exploding too. Like all that stuff. That was nuts. It, it was that great. shot where Sub Zero goes into the building and all the air sucks in behind him is so rad. Mm-hmm. When Jax is following him, also the yeah. sign that he should not have followed him. Like <laughs> I can't take that guy. Then I don't care how many tours you did. <laughs> um, but yeah, other than that, like you know, I think I think they leave this movie in an interesting place, and I'm curious to see if they try to do any course corrections in term of in terms of like. Cole Young and who they try to bring back, bring back and what they do with it in that respect. Um, and honestly, like I told you guys, a few, uh, I've said in a few different places, like my, my dream for this would be, you know, the most recent Mortal Kombat game has some time traveliness to it. And I think there's a world where Robin Shu, Lyndon Ashby and Bridget Sampras Wilson can come back and be in this movie alongside their younger counterparts. Um, and I think it would be really cool to see them go that way. And it would be a cool way to hearken to some of the video games that are around right now. Um, and, and that would be fun to see. I, but what I, what I really want to understand here and something that isn't apparent to me is like, the people who made Mortal Kombat video games are now literally owned by Warner Brothers. They are owned, they, they operate as Warner Brothers games. NetherRealm Studios is under Warner Brothers games. Like, why isn't there more cooperation here? And I guess I don't really know whether or not that's the case, but like, you would think that like there'd be new skins in Mortal Kombat 11 with these actors or something like that, or there would be a new game that features these people, or, you know, maybe that's more of a 90s thing. But at the same time, I think on the other side of the coin, there's so much good storytelling going on at NetherRealm Studios. You would think they would have been able to say, here's things you could do to really do even more service to these characters that we know and love that the the people who love this franchise would really appreciate. Tim, what were you going to say? No, I'm just I was just <laughs> Warner Brothers is not great at that kind of stuff, it seems <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I just they're not <laughs> like they're very much. They're very much behind Disney when it comes to um, kind of like synergy yeah, in, in that area. So I, and it's, it's pretty obvious with a lot of um, honestly the DC and just how, how big yeah. of a mess that is when it comes to trying to keep track of 
what and all these cool characters and all these great things to pull from and they do what they do and i i just don't, i don't think it's a very when it comes to what you're talking about i don't think that's a strength of that studio yeah the 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 uh just the the inter-office communication or whatever it is just doesn't exist there they don't have people facilitating that type of they, stuff and who knows and like yeah m- who knows maybe ed boon the creator of one of the creators of mortal Kombat, the video game was maybe could just be like you know what good luck guys <laughs> but, but i would think that someone like him would have a vested interest in making sure that like it, it could be a movie that he could be proud of, you know? And so not that this isn't necessarily one that he would, cause I think, I think it's doing pretty well and people seem pretty happy about it. And, uh, you know, certainly a step up from several steps up from annihilation. Um, so <laughs> I would be very excited to see the franchise continue. I just, um, I wonder whether or not they'll take this time to course correct a little bit in some of the ways that people are kind of voicing their distaste of. So, yeah. Not that listening to the audience is always the right idea, but yeah, that's a that's a slippery slope there. Yes, I, but I do think the the fan servicey stuff in this is the is my favorite stuff. In it, yeah. Other than the sub Sub Zero Scorpion, but you you could even tie that in. But just having having those fatalities and having those callbacks to the video game, even even as some even me who hasn't played a video game Mortal Kombat game in a while, I still got the callbacks. And I still like them. I got a kick out of them. So, and it was, you're right. It was nice to see a rated R Mortal Kombat movie because that's, that's part of the appeal to the series. Like it's very much geared towards teenagers and, and it's very much geared towards things that your parents wouldn't want you watching or, and stuff like that. And that's, that's kind of the charm of it. And the best parts of this movie felt like that. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, and, and one other thing I'll say, I did. I agree with Nick that human reptile is superior to lizard reptile, but I do also like the fact that like, I feel like his fight scene was a little bit longer in this one. <laughs> reptile was always one of my favorite characters. Um, and so, Oh, his know, fight scene was, is so much better in the first Mortal Kombat movie. Though. I, I, I think the fight scene itself is good, but it's real short. <laughs> like it's, it, I feel like it's over pretty, pretty quickly. Um, so, and, but I did like, you know, the invisibility of it all and the acid, I think they uh, could know, still like, pass it off that like that was just a a, a reptilian. reptilian. I forgot what their race is called. Um, God, I don't. But know. yeah, it's they, they never stay dead in these games though either, right? Yes and no. Okay, um, <laughs> for a know, while. In some of the more recent <laughs> ones too, there's been like zombie <clears throat> versions as well. But gotcha. like, yeah, Baraka's like a whole like race of people. So there's all kinds of Tarkatans that could come back if like you know, or you know, there wasn't even Baraka in this one, so. Yeah, but they they, I mean, there's ways around. to work around it. Yeah, there is only one cabal, unfortunately. Yeah, sadly. <laughs> but he had the he had the best death though. His the way he convinces um, Kato to join is so great because he just he just calls him an, he calls him an idiot the whole time. He just he just dresses yeah. him down and yeah, yeah. insults like, him like into like Colin, joining. Colin Marty McFly, yellow or a yeah. coward. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I think. Uh, I would love to see a sequel. I'd love to see several sequels to this. And I think that you can keep, I think you can certainly keep Cole around. He just shouldn't be the main character. Like if he's mm-hmm. part of the crew, that's totally fine. I'm fine with that. But I think it's now is the logical time to move Liu Kang up front and center because he needs to be the hero. And uh, it, I I really liked Ludi Lin's portrayal of him. Yeah. And I would love to see him take the center stage and, and start leading the, leading the charge. And I think if you make, I do 
I mean, I do want to see the tournament at some point. And I oh should, yeah, yeah, yeah. I should, I, mean, I should mention it is kind. I of was so annoyed at Shang Tsung. I'm like, dude, stop interrupting it. Like, let's just get to the. <laughs> stop <laughs> trying to cheat. Let's just yeah, get to the and tournament. I, and I get, and they do a good job of kind of having one-on-one fight scenes and making it feel like the game and the fights at the end. But I do kind of want to see like the full-on tournament at some point. And so you can, you can make it more of an ensemble without mm-hmm. maybe or or even switch main characters too and you can kind of move cole to the side in a tournament setting or honestly even kill him early in a tournament kill him in like and, the first or second round yeah yeah and, and kind of set the stakes early that way because i, I do have a soft spot for <laughs> fighting tournament movies like mm-hmm. like enter the dragon blood sport all those movies and I, I did kind of miss that aspect in this movie and i kind of i i they kept mentioning it and i like i was like yeah i kind of want to see that so yeah it'd be really sweet if they Yes, like show us the tournament. We've got the the film. We've got the budget. We've got the filmmaking technology now to make the the scale of it really big and really cool and really stack the cast. And you know, I think these these movies and these Mortal Kombat characters work really well when you cast them with like character actors that that understand what they need to do. Like you give Josh Josh Lawson the gist, the elevator pitch of Kano, and he's like, <laughs> "I got it." Like that's why you have such such depth in Hollywood of character actors that you don't need, like you see Steve Buscemi come on a screen and you're like, I got it. Like, I know what this guy's <laughs> likely going to be about and you're probably going to be right. And I think that populating movies like this and especially like a tournament movie like this with, with guys and girls like that is the way to go where you just have somebody who has the look and the, the, the charisma and the attitude to pull off exactly what they need to do with very little screen time. And that's the way to do it. But it'd be really gnarly if they, first of all, this is, so I'm, this is what I want to see in, in Mortal Kombat 2. Carrie Tagawa comes back as Shang Tsung. Sorry, Chin Han, but you had your shot. Which is totally doable because Shang Tsung yes. has taken on different He's a shapeshifter. He's a shapeshifter. Yes, yeah, that's, that's his thing. So Let's see it. Yep. Let's do it. Uh, get uh, Tadanobu Asano, sit down with him and be like, listen, man, you got to dial it up dial up the ham like we need Raiden to, to come alive a little bit more like ha- have him give a shit now like I understand why he doesn't give a shit anymore like Tim you and Willie did a great job of describing why Raiden would be so weird <laughs> and disillusioned because he's 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 on the the ninth or he's on the tenth straight loss in a row basically and like yeah I, I would probably be a little I did give it I wouldn't give it it's, it's me watching the Lions now like I don't give a yeah. shit what happens it doesn't matter um have Kano come back and they've they rescued him out with the forces of Outworld rescued him. He wasn't dead. Replace his his little busted eye with the actual cyber eye and be like, oh, he's okay. We saved him. And he's the one that kills Cole in round one of the tournament as uh, an act of vengeance. Joe Taslim returns as Noob Sabbat. Enough said. He can also play new Sub-Zero and just have him play both roles because he's great. And it'd be nice to see him play a good guy Sub-Zero after playing an awesome bad guy Sub-Zero. At the same time, it'd be hilarious to just have some random white dude like in Mortal Kombat 3. God. <laughs> or in Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which is what happens. Like, pulls his mask off right away. Yeah, and true. he looks like he's from Long Island. It's terrible. <laughs> um, yeah, and just, you know, if Hiroyuki Sonata's up for it, come on back as Scorpion. If he's like, I'm all set, I did that, then that's cool. Just keep him in the mask and recast him. It's really no big deal. We, we get the gist of the character at this point. And uh, bring in Keanu Reeves as Kenshi, and uh, we're all set. Yeah. No, there were those rumors that he was in talks to be Johnny Cage, and I'm like, no, that's not no, quite right. That's not I, right at all. I like. 
I think he'd do an okay job with it, but I think there's better choices for Johnny Cage. But yeah, I don't like that. Who do we? That, so do we just bring back Lyndon? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Cage is funny. I don't really have a lot of a lot of attachment to the character of Johnny Cage. Uh, I think he's he's he is who he is in the games and popular culture today because of the movie. Yeah. Because in the games, he's pretty unremarkable, um, or at least he was. But I think you could cast him as like a as like a young hotshot, or I kind of like the story though, where he's like kind of like a fading star, and he's trying to re- retain his or regain his relevance. I think that's pretty compelling. Yeah, yeah, and that's I mean that's part of the reason why I think it would it would be fun to bring eventually. I don't necessarily know that it needs to be the next movie, but if they want to get all time travel with it in like the third or fourth, uh, bringing bringing the cast of that first movie back would be pretty sweet in a lot of ways. But it'd I think be awesome. Go, you could go either direction with Johnny Cage. I'm I looking think. at some really good fan cast pictures. So, just, oh yeah, who you got? <laughs> uh, Jensen Ackles. Um, oh, all right, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Stephen Amell. It's really just the pictures that you got. Stephen Amell would be <laughs> Stephen kind of Amell's funny. pretty fucking good. <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I'm kind of with you. I kind of like that. Uh, that would be my choice. He's such Man. a he's such a wrestling fan in real life too, isn't he? Yeah. So he yes. gets it. He's got a star show coming out that's about pro wrestling. Yeah, I'm, that's right. You know what? I'm going with that, and I think he would. I think he would be able to pull off that kind of. He would get it. Of, yeah. yeah, and he could he play. He could play like a guy who's like f- a, a right around forty, early forties, who like the public isn't really paying as much attention to anymore, and he wants to prove he's still got it. Yeah, yep. that would be sweet. All right, I'm super down for that. That would be fun, and he could he could work the the cage tattoo across his chest and, and make it believable. <laughs> That'd be really funny. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm down for that. I'm down for that. I wonder if he actually has any martial arts experience. Like, because you can have, like, fighting experience, but then you got, like, martial arts experience. They're pretty different. He's yeah. done so much action work, though, that I think he could, I mean. He could pull it. He could learn it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he could. be at least believable. And, yeah. yeah. I saw him do that fucking salmon ladder on Arrow. <laughs> that was legit. <laughs> yeah. That means he can punch people, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least look like he is. Yeah. That it would is, be fun. I like that. It is a big deal. I mean, it, to be able to throw a believable punch because there, I, I mean, there are actors, actresses that can't, and it yeah. comes across even. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, that would be really funny too if you had the past and future incarnations of these guys, or I'm sorry, the present and the past crossing paths, and Lyndon Ashby shows up, and they're they're all hanging out together, and you just they just see Kerry Tagawa again, and he's like, "What? He's the exact same? Like he's." Just, <laughs> He does you age? He's the universal <laughs> constant. <laughs> that would be incredible. Yeah, no. Please, please God do that. That would be so good. I mean, that's the interesting thing in that Mortal Kombat 11. Not that, I won't spoil anything, but like seeing some of the ways that like the younger versions of the characters are shocked about where they end up. Mm. Uh that sounds so like, good. Yeah, it's it's just it's it's great. And and they do really great things with it. So like I think if they're if there's anybody out there writing a sequel to this movie and they don't know what's happened in these last three Mortal Kombat games, please check it out because it's really cool and interesting and compelling stuff. So, do you guys have a favorite Mortal Kombat game? I'm just curious. Guys. Honestly, 20, 2011, the okay. Mortal Kombat 9, which was Willie's same answer on your episode, I it's super solid. Before that, it would have been like Mortal Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3, I think. Yeah, I'm okay. a Mortal Kombat 3 guy. I, I'm actually one of the I guess one of the minority who was totally into it when it first came out before it um, 
before they they kind of fixed their excuse me before they kind of righted their wrongs and released ultimate yeah Mortal Kombat 3 I mean I haven't played 2011 so I can't I haven't played it yet so I can't say and it may very well become my favorite but there's something about the excuse me the extremely like 2D slight pixely graphics of of MK2 and MK3 that just like to me is very very inherent to Mortal Kombat like if they if they released a version of uh, Mortal Kombat 11 or any of the recent three that had that same kind of engine and style, I would just be obsessed with it because it would just, the games were simpler and they played, they played better for me. But I, I remember so vividly being at the arcade when Mortal Kombat three was new and there was like literally a line to play it <laughs> and just standing off to the side when you'd first walk in to like get your quarters and you'd see like the little teaser video playing on the on the screen of like the new characters and like when they introduced the running and all that stuff it just like it was just insane like i remember it was like electric in the air and like everybody just standing around waiting to play it it was just it was the shit i have such fond memories of that so it's mortal kombat 3 for me what about you tim i know i I honestly uh it's probably water two for me i kind of lame but those are those are the ones i remember those are the genesis ones um yeah yeah. second genesis what i had it i had it on so it's probably one or two for me that's yeah i mean it's one of those things where it's like i don't necessarily know i mean andy and john played it a bunch when i was a kid and watching them play it uh, there's just something about the ninjas that sucks you in as a young young child i don't know what yeah they're just so cool um and so but obviously i'm the one that stuck with it i don't think john's touched a mortal kombat game since mortal kombat 3 probably same for andy as well um, but it, like this one of those series that I think it'd be interesting to do kind of a journey through because there's some very big differences from Mortal Kombat 3 to Mortal Kombat 4 mm-hmm. and then from 4 to Deadly Alliance and Deception and Armageddon are different and then from Armageddon to Mortal Kombat 2011 Mortal Kombat X and Mortal Kombat 11 uh, it's a very fascinating series and uh, and worth kind of taking the twists and turns through like there's even like a youtube channel i forget what it's called it might be like mk dojo or something like that where they have i was on that yeah i think that that is what it's called because they have a lot of they have a lot of really cool old videos Um, yeah they got a lot of videos of the older games and they have videos that kind of explain the stories when these games didn't necessarily have stories and it was just those title cards in between um you know the 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 attract screens screens. yeah either the victory screens or the ones that would show up in between oh while the playing. game was like idling yeah yes where it would be like sonia blade and give you her background that type of thing like they do a good job of kind of pulling together what the canon endings of these games were as you know midway developed them in the earlier series so mk dojo on youtube i think if anybody wants wants to look into the past of mortal Kombat, that's a good place to do it at my brother had this great he i guarantee he still has it it was probably like three and a half inches wide by like six seven inches tall this like tall slender um like uh game and uh what were they called um like a little booklet that had all the moves yeah um what was the company called that made those there was like, like a prima games or yes Brady games? yeah it was yeah. something like that and it, it was like pocket size it was perfect so you could fit it like in the back pocket of your of your oh, jeans that's beautiful <laughs> and he would hand write in there he would like take notes and listen my brother was like a prodigy at mortal kombat 3 your brother was the guy that used the note section in the instruction booklet oh yes and in (laughs) in the back on the inside of the back cover he had written number of times i've beaten shao Kahn, and he (laughs) 
he had the names of all the characters and then he would do like tallies for the number of times. And I mean, oh I'm talking God. like, like double digits with like multiple characters of how many times he would play through this game. And we would go to the arcade and he would just dust kids that were 10 years older than him. <laughs> and it was the funniest thing. He was like this ringer and he was probably 10. 10 or 11, like a kid who could like reach the buttons and the joystick and he would just smoke these, all these people that were probably 17, 18. And it was the funniest thing to behold, but he had his little book in his back pocket and he got so cocky. He would like be playing and he'd be like, you pick who I play as. And they, they would always try to stick him with some character that they thought was bad. And he would just still just roast him. It was amazing. But he had this little book and it had, um, you know, all the moves listed and stuff, but at the, at the, uh, the first entry for each character, it was their, it was like their bio, like their in-game bio. Yeah. And it was really cool because I would sit and read it when we were just like at home or whatever, because I liked the stories and I liked the lore and all the, uh, all the characters they introduced in MK3 were, were really cool. Um, but that little book was awesome because it was like the kind of little mythology. It was all you had, you know, yeah. if you weren't like yeah. at the, because back then we didn't have it like at home on PlayStation or whatever. So it was either you were at the arcade hoping to catch one of the screens or like actually beat the game with somebody so you could see their ending or you would just read the book. And so it yeah. was, those little books were really cool for getting to learn the, uh, the stories. There's lots cool. of awesome it's a cool universe. shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that's why I think more sequels to this movie would be great. Uh, I, I just, wish they'd make more of the spinoff games like MK Mythologies was what it was, but Shaolin Monks was pretty tight. Yeah, and uh, there's. I feel like Ed Boon talks about making a new Shaolin Monks every once in a while, and people that'd be so on the cool. internet get very excited about it. Yeah, it was um, a fun game. What What is that? What is Shaolin Monks? What it's, is it? It's is a, a fighting game. No, it's, no, it's, it's, it's actually like, a, like an action adventure with kind of a beat 'em up. Two, yeah, like okay. a two player game with Kung Lao and Liu Kang. Yeah, um, and you can play you, with somebody or by yourself, and it's it is like. Did you ever play any of those old like Lord of the Rings games for like Xbox or? um uh, ps2 no, they're kind of like it, that amy has yeah i know of them yeah it was an action adventure game is the perfect way to describe it you would just move through levels and like beat up guys along the way and then like there was a story and it was uh it was a fun game it was really cool it was uh who, definitely more successful than mk mythologies who who's your guys go-to fighters oh kung lao and sector were my two in mortal kombat 3 he was the I red was, robot yeah. And then Sub-Zero and games with Sub-Zero. I think uh, generally Reptile when available. Um, Reptile was so good in Ultimate MK3. If you oh, knew yeah. how to use him, he was tricky. But if you were good with him, you were almost unstoppable. Yes. Um, and also in kind of in the later game, starting with Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3, Noob Saibot uh, was always. That's a tricky character, too. Yeah. I wasn't necessarily good with him. But yeah, but he's cool. Yeah, he's <laughs> just cool as hell. I even liked I liked MK3 Sub Zero too, the one that was unmasked. I was like, yeah. I was like fine with it. Yeah, he was. Uh, I understand the controversy, but um, he was cool. <laughs> they were talking about it in John the Giant Bombcast, and they're like, he, for some reason, he looked like Henry Rollins, and I was like, I'd never realized that he before. absolutely did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> he looked a little bit like Lyndon Ashby too. Like it was a weird, yeah. <laughs> it was a weird choice. Oh, that was the other thing I was going to say is that for a long time. Uh, it was rumored and then news came out that they were trying in like 2007, eight ish to make an HD version of the first three mortal Kombat. God, that'd be so cool that they went. And I think I'm pretty sure they did the work and re photographed the actors playing those characters 
to to make the sprites, the animation sprites to to make an HD version of that game, but it didn't it didn't work out for some reason. Oh man! And so uh, I love those old sprites. They were so yeah. cool. No, they're great, and uh, and I, it'd be interesting to see if any of that makes 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 to the light of day at some point in the future. But for now, I, I liked that a lot of a lot of the characters I like the most are the ones that are in these movies now. Like I really liked Jax. I liked Kano. Luke Kang and Kung Lao were always the kind of some of the stars and uh, even Cabal. Cabal was such a cool character. I was not particularly good with him, but he was so cool. And uh, it was sweet to see him in the movie. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. No. And like I said, they stuck mostly to the first three games mm-hmm. um, for this cast. Yeah. And in Which general, that's like the bulk of like the great characters. Those are the best I'll ones. Say, yeah. I think they've kind of come back around in a lot of ways. By the time they get to uh, Mortal Kombat X and 11, they introduce some characters that are actually children of some of the characters in the game. Right. Um, and also there's a few new ones that I think they did a better job of kind of considering what they should be rather than like some of the guys that you saw in Mortal Kombat four and, and beyond. Actually on, on that note, and this is the last thing I'll say in, in, um, in this movie in 2021, I thought for a bit that they were setting up that Cole's daughter was actually going to be the one to like, be of importance somehow Mm. and obviously she was like a kid so that wouldn't have made as much sense but i like there was something about that where i was thinking like this guy's too much of a loser to actually be (laughs) the hero like i thought they were going to kind of bill and ted it somehow and be like no actually it's the next generation you're you're setting her up to succeed further down the line and like Mm. he was gonna somehow sacrifice himself so that she could be safe and then they'd be like, Oh, you know what? She's actually the continuation of the bloodline and she's going to be the one that like matters in like five more years and like come, come hang out with Liu Kang while he trains you up. And then you're going to come back like ready and uh, something like that, which I would have thought would have been pretty awesome. Could still happen. Yeah, maybe. I guess that's true. But all right, uh, Tim, any final thoughts? No, I'm, I'm good. All right. Well, I think that's mostly going to do it for us. Um, next time, we'll have to see what it's going to be. Like I said, I did want to talk about uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier at some point. Um, but I'm also kind of somewhat unaware of if there's anything else more interesting coming out in the meantime. Um, so we'll see. If anybody has any opinions about that, wants to write in, let us know what you want us to talk about in the coming weeks. I'd love to hear it. Feedback at MidwestFilmers.com. Uh, please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash midwestpodnet or mpn.bz slash Patreon. We'd appreciate any any little bit of money you can throw our way each month. Um, and yeah, check out Game Nerds this weekend and uh, Horror Movie Yearbook next week with House of Wax starring Paris Hilton. But that's uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kyle <laughs> X-Y, go watch a movie.